Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. We have two readings this morning. The first is from 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 to 16. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed a Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Second reading is from 1 Samuel 19, verses 1 to 10. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan was very fond of David and warned him, My father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and will tell you what I find out. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, 
David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul, and David was with Saul as before. Once more war broke out, and David went out and fought the Philistines, struck them with such force that they fled before him. But an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he was sitting in his house with his spear in his hand. While David was playing the harp, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear, but David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made good his escape. Amen. I think the sermon's coming up. Um, I've chosen to call it Lessons from Jonathan. Will we be a friend and speak up what is right? Um, I personally find it really helpful looking at different characters in scripture. And I think that each life has many stories within it and many lessons that we can learn today. And we can compare and, and contrast Jonathan and Saul. So I want to have a look and see how Jonathan reacted as David's fame increased. So just a little bit of background about Jonathan. Um, He was one of King Saul's sons. He had several sons. He also um, had... um, King Saul had a daughter, Michael, and she married David. So actually, Jonathan and David were not just friends. They were brother-in-laws to each other, too. And he himself, Jonathan, was a brave soldier. He, with his um, armor-bearer, had routed um, a whole lot of Philistines. We can read about that earlier in 1 Samuel 14. But afterwards, he defied his father's oath um, when he ate some honey. So he had already stood up to his father, because his father had said, nobody can eat anything. Um, And he found this honey and said, it's sweet, and he took some. Um, And then, um, I'm not going to be covering it here, but there's the very well-known incident when David was prepared to fight Goliath, and small David and great big Goliath, and David won, as we know, with the five stones. Um, And um, we can read about that one, the preceding chapter in in 1 Samuel 18. But it was after that point that it really consolidated and confirmed Jonathan's friendship with David, And so we come to our passage that we've just, Jill has so kindly read to us. Um, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Close friendship is very special, isn't it? And I think it's beautiful the way we read this story in the Old Testament of this very close friendship that they had with each other. And from that day, Saul kept David with him and didn't let him return home to his family. Before that, David had been coming and going to Saul. He'd already been playing the harp. But from that point onwards, he was with the household all the time. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. He took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow and his belt. Just tangible signs of friendship. And then... We have this command from Saul, kill your loyal, faithful, godly friend. Just think how it felt for Jonathan when he's suddenly told, David has got to be killed. And that was the order in the the first verse we read in chapter 19. 
Saul told not just his son, Jonathan, but all the attendants, kill David. And that that wasn't the first outburst that Saul had had against David. And we have to wonder, well, why did Saul react so strongly in such a bad way? He seems to have been overcome by jealousy, resentment, and fear. And all he can do is see David as a threat. We read, whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. So on one hand, Saul respected how well David did, but on the other hand, the more he had success, the more Saul just perceived it as a threat. And next few verses on in um, chapter 18, verse 7 and 8, we read how the women chanted after David had killed Goliath, they danced, they sang, Saul had slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. And, and Saul was very angry. Human reaction, but nevertheless not a good one, was it? He just naturally was incensed by this popularity that, Jonathan, uh, that, um, that David had. So the refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands? What more can he get but the kingdom? So he was already feeling very threatened that he was the king. He was established as the very first king in Israel. But he'd expected his sons and and descendants to reign after him. But he could see that David was the natural anointed king of the future. And specifically in um, chapter 19, verse 9, an evil spirit is identified as actually controlling him, that he just had such venom in him that he just hurled spears and tried to kill poor David. So it was a really bad situation. How did David respond to a situation like that? Well, we read in in chapter 18, we glean that he responded with grace, forgiveness, and obedience. It doesn't say that he reacted in any bad way back. He just realized he had to go away, and he continued to know God's blessing, continued to see successes in, in the wars he was fighting. But when someone is turned away like that, it is a lonesome time. It is hard when somebody very powerful is against you. And that's the time when he really needed backup and support. And it was just that time that Jonathan was a true friend. Jonathan was there for him. And we can learn much from just how Jonathan responds to David. I definitely think we can't say, like father, like son, this does not apply here, does it? The way that Jonathan responded. He was anything but similar to his father. He responded totally differently. So we read in chapter 19, 1 to 3, Jonathan had made a great liking, sorry, Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, my father Saul is is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning. Go into hiding, stay there. I'll go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and tell you what I find out. So he stepped up to the mark. He wanted to help and support his friend He offered to mediate. How amazing was that? He shows a complete lack of resentment, insecurity, jealousy. He could have been any of those things, couldn't he? Because he was the one that should have probably been in line to be the king after Saul. And here was this person, David, who had much greater success in battles and demonstrated so many things. He demonstrated faith. He demonstrated skill. He had success. He was very popular as they were dancing in the street. 
and he had an evident anointing from God. Just think how different this story would have been if there was even a hint of jealousy on the part of Jonathan. If in any way he decided, hmm, I don't think he's had enough attention. He he can get what he deserves. No, he was a loyal friend. He felt that King Saul was acting totally inappropriately and he had to stand up and he had to say something. I just wonder, Jonathan had been bold and he'd had his own successes in battle, But when it came to that standoff between Goliath, when he came out to torment the Israelites day after day and said, who have you got will stand up to me? Jonathan was one of countless many. All the other Israelites were no better, but they were not ready to stand up to Goliath. It was only David that was. So Jonathan had to know in his heart that he'd, in a sense, failed that test of faith. He hadn't been ready to stand up in a way that David had. He knew that David had persevered in his own faith journey. So here he was, potentially the next king after Saul, but he recognized that David was God's anointed one, and he was the man of faith that Israel needed, and he did not want to do anything to stand in the way of that. So how does this apply to us? That's what I love about some of these stories. They may have been written a long time ago, but they are incredibly relevant thousands of years later. And in this story, we see such different reactions to the same situation. There are many situations we face where we could react like Saul or we could react like Jonathan. For example, if somebody's really successful and they've got lots of gifts, do we resent it or do we just really bless them and encourage them? Sometimes there are situations where we're not perhaps actively involved, but we see conflict out there What do we do? Do we just stand by or do we offer to mediate? Do we perhaps inflame a situation? Do we turn a blind eye? And there are many situations in the world today um, which it's hard in some ways to turn a blind eye and yet it's so easy to do. I thought it'd be good for us just to reflect for a minute on being a mediator and just considering, is it an optional extra? According to these Bible verses, we can't really be a bystander Because it says in Proverbs 31 verse 9, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And Isaiah chapter 1 verse 17 says, learn to do right, seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. We're urged strongly to stand up for those who are powerless, to to seek to redress injustices. Learn to do right. I thought we could just pause for a minute and just think if there's any person or any situation that perhaps comes to our mind and heart. Perhaps we haven't done something. I mean, our conscience has almost said perhaps we should have stood up to that situation. But for many different reasons, fear and, and all sorts of things just stop us from acting. So just for a minute, let's stop and just pray about what we can perhaps do, what the Lord is touching us to do. We can't always assume a good outcome, but if we do things in love and grace and do it for right reasons, we can leave the outcome with the Lord. And in this situation, when Jonathan spoke up for David, in 1 Samuel 4 and 5, we read, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not 
the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. So he's pointing out that really there was nothing that justified Saul's actions. And actually, he'd only benefited Saul too. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all Israel. And you saw it and were glad. Everyone was glad when Goliath was defeated. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? So he makes a really clear case that it's just not reasonable why um, King Saul has it in for David. But we notice Jonathan was the only person that stood up in that situation to Saul. Saul's commands were, were there and people were frightened. And he was risking his own life, Jonathan, when he stood up. For, for David. But he did what was right. He confronted and he challenged Saul and he ignored his own fears and his personal interests. That's something that's hard for us to do at times. We're so easily bound by our own emotions and responses. So what do we do when we hear someone wrongly maligning someone else? So we can either speak up for the wrong person, we can remain silent, Or we can even sometimes find ourselves, almost despite ourselves, we just go along with the in-crowd. We just start to agree that this person has done wrong things. We we agree when we shouldn't be because they're actually being wrongly um, accused. It's very easy to get coerced into agreeing with negative talk. It takes courage to stand up. But we've got to think, actually, even in remaining silent, we're often condoning the situation. But what was encouraging in this story, that good did come out of Jonathan speaking up, at least in the short term. Um, Being a mediator isn't easy, but it's the way to reconciliation. First of all, Saul did take um, David back into his household. It did influence him, and it influenced the other officers. You never belittle the impact not only on the one person but on others, the chain effect it can have. Saul listened to Jonathan and took this oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. So Jonathan called David and told him the whole conversation. He brought him to Saul and David was with Saul as before. So for a while, things went well. So never underestimate the power of speaking up may not always work out well, but certainly in that situation it did. And I think probably many of you are familiar with that phrase, blessed are the peacemakers. It's one of the Beatitudes, one of the things that Jesus said. We are called to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We find that in Matthew 5, verse 9. And James, who's the brother of Jesus, in his own book, in chapter 3, echoes it in verse 16, I think it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So never underestimate how God can use you. And just don't be afraid of criticism or misunderstanding. There will always be people that will be against you, but if we stand up for what is right, if we seek to be peacemakers, we will know God's blessing. But above all, in any situation, we must seek the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance 
and have his strength as we go into a situation. Pray before you go to be a peacemaker. Get others to pray with you, for you. Surround a situation in prayer. It was perhaps good after the service. If anyone has got a situation where they would value prayer, please come, seek somebody out, pray with other people. We need the support of each other when we face difficult situations. And it is wonderful that we're actually called to this ministry of reconciliation, reconciliation to each other and to God. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So it's because God has reconciled us to himself. How wonderful that is. And then we, in turn, have this ministry of reconciliation, of encouraging others to be reconciled to God and reconciled to each other. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, And he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. We have a message of hope in Christ, don't we? And a ministry of reconciliation. And I just urge and encourage us to have that confidence of the hope that we have in Christ to use that ministry of reconciliation to bring others to himself. So in summary, conclusion, do we resent success in others or do we support them? Remember how Jonathan had been successful, but he didn't resent it, that the situation at all, that David was more successful, whereas Saul resented it enormously. Do we seek to be a good friend to those we know and love? Are we ready to mediate? Have we really plumbed the the understanding of what does a friend mean, someone who is loyal, who sticks with somebody? Are you a peacemaker like Jonathan? or a spear thrower like Saul. And in many situations, we can make a choice consciously one way or the other. So think about being a peacemaker rather than a spear thrower. Are you ready to say that there are times we need to speak up and it's not right to stay silent? And in so doing, we're actually condoning something wrong by not speaking up. And are we thankful that Christ has reconciled us to himself and he's given us that ministry of reconciliation? I want to go on from here to look as well now at Tear Fund briefly because I think that's an example of where Tear Fund speaks up for the poor, for injustices, but the part that we can play. So when we look at situations, sometimes we may be looking at local situations and just seeing between two individuals locally. Sometimes it's whole nations that are wrong things and what ways can we get involved? We can't all do everything, but we can pray for our leaders, we can petition at times, we can give, we can... So I just hope through seeing this Tear Fund clip, you'll get more ideas of how we can be peacemakers, we can be reconcilers. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk